What's going on, guys? Welcome back to your favorite sports podcast, Clocks on the Stove. Your host, myself, Grayson Fisher, my lovely and amazing co-host, Mr. Zach Watts. Today, nice we are bringing you guys uh, episode 67, okay, 67 of this amazing podcast. We're going to recap the wild card, round one of the NFL playoffs. What a crazy round that was, Zach. Almost every game besides probably the Bucks team was really fucking good. Um, but yeah, let's just dive in. We'll go in game order. We started off the 49ers hosting the Seahawks. 49ers winning this one. 41 to 23. It was a very close first half. Seahawks kept them on their toes. I believe it was 14 to 13 at the end of the first half, Seahawks. Um, but the Niners took away in the second half. My notes in this game, Geno Smith, they, they should make a that guy award, and it should go to Geno Smith. Cause talk about like the hate, dude. I mean, let's be let's 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 backstep to preseason when the the fucking trade happened with Russell Wilson. They thought Drew Locke was the starter. Like the fans got ready like to be a Drew Locke supporter. Like everyone started being ready to support Drew Locke, and Gino was like not even a thought. And now what he's done. I mean, yes, they lost, but like even getting them there and the way he didn't even play bad in that game. Like he is that guy, and I think that he needs to get more love and recognition. From that, on top of that, Purdy's not bad either. I just think he's looking a little bit better because of this amazing system he's surrounded by. And let's be real, he's playing with some of the best offensive players in the game. Um, I do want to tell a funny story real quick. When when Jimmy G got hurt that, that week in the media, and all they were saying was the 49ers thinking about contract agreement and extension with Jimmy G contract agreement, extension with Jimmy G like supposed to happen this week, blah, 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 plays that game. And then gets hurt coincidentally that same weekend. You know, I'm not saying it, it, it didn't happen like that, but like, that is just weird. The timing of it. Don't you think? I mean, if it would have been more so like the Tyrod Taylor incident where they were like, Hey man, we got a really good backup behind you. Like we just need something for you to happen for us not to play you. And they're just like needle in the lung, like just one, one quick time. Like, I mean, at least at least his was an in-game injury. Like if that's because it played out like that. I'm not as skeptical of it because, to be honest, you don't you don't want Jimmy G to get hurt, and your expectation is like, oh, we have Mister Irrelevant though. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like not like yeah. that never happens. Like, I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, that Tyrod Taylor shit's fucked though, dude. Oh man, is, did he ever yeah. sue or like did anything come from that? No, because um, I think the team doctor got fired. I'm not sure. I had to go over the whole case, but I'm pretty sure it was like settled. It's not technically medical malpractice because it was a correct procedure. It was just a fuck up. Like you just sometimes mistake happens in the medical field. Mistakes happen in football. It is what it is. Uh, we just kind of hold doctors to a higher standard and shit happens. Um, it was unfortunate that it happened to Tyrod. I view Tyrod in a very high light. You know, he's kind of thrown into those situations with a lot of teams where it's like, all right, we're going to put you on shit teams and you're just going to like keep us afloat and then you're not going to get any recognition for it. That's kind of been his whole career. Um, Post-career, like the fans that really love the NFL will always come to appreciate Tyrod, but to the average fan, I feel like he'll go under the radar a lot. I like Tyrod and he was getting hot when that happened too, so that, that really sucks. But yeah, back to this. Um, the only other thing I have left on this sack before you go is the Seahawks are getting blessed with draft picks. I believe they're the sixth pick in this upcoming draft. I would say we may have to go over a draft recap. Uh, yeah, at the time I haven't looked over it, but they're getting it. They're getting a top ten pick, and then they're okay. going to get their pick too. 
because the Broncos shit the bed this year. So they're doing good. It, my my thing for you, Zach Watts, is with this high pick, if you're the Seahawks and you're Pete Carroll, are you looking to get a quarterback with your first pick? No. Um, and this is in both regards. Not only because I think Geno still has some years left on his contract, but let's say even in the event that uh, you did need a quarterback, I just don't think this draft class is stacked enough for you to be like you could find like a – uh, like a franchise turnaround player. Uh, and that's not to say that the caliber of players aren't there in this draft class. I just don't think that they're worthy weak. of that pick. It's pretty it weak. is pretty weak. Consider, considering how the only one that you could be like, all right, this kid could have a legitimate future in the NFL. None of the other ones, I can confidently say that. I'm not saying yeah. they won't. I'm not saying they won't. I'm saying as of right now, I can't confidently say that from what I see from them, I could be like, they could have a career in the NFL. I'm sorry. Yeah. Given if a reasonable quarterback falls to you later in the draft, sure, draft a quarterback for the future. But right now, there's a ton of other positions that you could draft that will address some of your needs that you definitely could fill out with your early round picks. There's a ton of talent at other positions in this draft class. I'm not necessarily wowed by the draft class in any regard. I don't think it's like blowing my mind um, at any position where I'm like, I need this guy on my team or I think this guy is going to be game changing. Like, like years past, I thought Kayvon Thibodeau, great prospect. Uh, Jalen Carter, um, who's the defensive lineman for Georgia that I'm letting slip? Was it Carter? Regardless, we we get the point. Davis, Jordan Davis. That's what it is. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of guys in previous draft classes where I was really keen to and thought Mm. that they needed to be drafted. Whereas this draft class, I'm kind of like. Guys will figure themselves out and explode. I agree. But I don't. I agree. Yeah. Other than Will Anderson. Okay. Okay. Will yeah, Anderson well. can change it. He is a. He is a. He's discussed. He'd have been. He. He could have been the number one pick last year's draft. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. But besides that, I agree. I don't. I don't. There's not anyone in this draft class that it seems so far. There's still the Senior Bowl, um, and there's still the Combine. But there seems like so far, there's not like. There's, there's no one you're like, damn, like this kid goes here, it's over. Like they're going to change the team. You know what I mean? Like I said, right. except Will Anderson. I think you could put him in any team and just fit the system. By the way, Will Anderson has the hardest quote of all time when he said, I think it's disrespectful when other teams uh, come on in the field against me. It's like, it's just disrespectful to my nature. He's like, it's, you're just not good enough for me. Like, bro, what the he fuck? Says, like, it's disrespectful. You think you could beat me. Like you, you're going to yeah. come out here and you actually think you could win. <laughs> so hard dude so hard demon um i'll kind of give my piece for this first game it kind of went how i thought when we did our preview pod i said the seahawks had nothing to lose no one thought they were going to be there anyway so it's really good to see that they went out there and play with played their heart out um but i think the 49ers just proved they were the better team in the second half what i will say about Geno smith perfect pass rating in the first half played exceptional they just ran out of gas. That's all it was. They they had a per- Pete Carroll had a great game plan for the first half. You know, keep it low scoring, keep it close. But when you have Brock Purdy, who by the way, I thought he played mediocre as hell. I thought he played below average. He had five to ten throws that were dropped, that were right at defenders. He was making bad reads. He did have spurt plays here and there where he was roaming out of the pocket, throwing dots, and Ayuk had a drop past the end zone. There were drops here and there, but overall. You cannot make those mistakes down the road against these better teams in the NFC. If he makes those same mistakes against the Eagles, you're getting bounced. I'm sorry. Like, 
that's just it is what it is. The Eagles have a stout defense. He kind of got lucky in that regard, but like I said, Kyle Shanahan's system's never been built around the quarterback position. We saw that with Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw it with Trey Lance. It's more of a running back system, and nothing says that truer than when they brought in Christian McCaffrey. Because when they brought him in, ten and one, I believe it was something ridiculous like that. They went on a spree. So Kyle Shanahan's system is mainly built around the running back position, utilizing their weapons around and just not putting all the pressure on the quarterback. It's very unique because it's not what we're accustomed to seeing in the NFL. You know, when you think of the NFL, you tend to think of the elite quarterbacks that carry their teams like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, guys along those lines. But for Kyle Shanahan's system, it doesn't fucking matter. He throws anyone out there. And I haven't even brought up their defense, which are unbelievable in all aspects. Special teams, too. They're able to make plays on all sides of the ball. I Right now, they are my Super Bowl favorites. I have to be honest. They look pretty much unstoppable. I hope it's a rematch between them and the Chiefs and the 49ers just get their revenge. Although I would fucking hate to see Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl. and People would be like, oh, Mr. Irrelevant won it. And I'm like, bro, he didn't even do it all. He's a but good kid, though. He's a good kid. He's, he's, he's great kid. like a cocky asshole, you know? Yeah, great kid, great story. Um, I'm just – Love to hate him, I guess. It's just <laughs> love to hate him. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a hater today. That's just kind of how I'm feeling about the game. But yeah, that's kind of how I uh, saw. Real quick, Zach, before we go to the next game, do you think now, like you said, football is becoming more offensive when we see this trait? You know, we talked about this with Anthony Nelson, we talked about this with a bunch of other people, as well as um you're starting to see with like the, the calls are favoring offense more. They they want more offense. So what does this lead to? At least more quarterbacks, because more quarterbacks means more touchdowns. Do you think and that's obvious. That's just how the trend's been going. Starting college, and now it's going to the NFL. Like you just named all those quarterbacks. Do you think we're seeing the success of how Shanahan's works? How he did it with Debo last year, and now he's doing it with a completely different player, Christian McCaffrey, and everyone on the offense is benefiting. Do you think that this we could maybe start going back to where we were 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago, where the running back was the main source? I believe everything kind of flows in a natural cycle life including um you know when you're giving in points in time history is doomed to repeat itself so the way i see it in football terms is in order to compensate for aggressive qb playing aired it out you're going to draft slender faster players to fill out your rosters you're going to play faster and that's how it is how do you beat slim fast players you start drafting bulkier guys you bring back the fullback you bring back dominant run game in the trenches it's the it's the way of life it's natural sports is a perfect emulation of life. It's why we make kids play sports when we're younger. It's because it kind of teaches you the values of life, teamwork, cooperation, all the fundamentals. It ends up playing out the same way. I think now we're just in an era of that kind of fast twitch, play it out speed kind of football games. And that's fine. You know, it's really enjoyable to watch. Obviously for our football purists, we'd like to see more defense being played. We'd like to cut back on the penalties, but the game will always adapt. It'll always adjust, make nuances here and there it's just a game of constant adjustments i feel and i i think this is no different no i agree and i think that was a very good point you made and you're starting to see a little bit of it now within the nfl the 49ers and in college football honestly georgia where they're not relying on their quarterback as much more than just the weapons and they're getting back to establishing a run game as well as they're focusing more on defense than offense you know, right. and and why is that? It's exactly what you said. How do you beat the faster, smaller defensive guys? You get you make it a war. You make it a wrestling match. You bring in heavy meatheads. You know, 
And you don't just focus on the quarterback. You get good running backs, wide receivers. You, you spread it out the offense, the, the offense. How do you stop a good quarterback if you're the defense? You get nasty defense. You get linebackers that shut the run down so the quarterback has to throw every play. And you get D linemen that can get to him in two seconds. Thus, you're seeing 49ers in the NFL. And now you're seeing Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart start doing that. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. But yeah, so like I said, that game, this next game, Wow. The Jags at home for the first time in the playoffs since 2015 in the battle for the best hair in the NFL defeated the Chargers 31 to 30. Now you're probably like, whoa, why, Grayson, why are you like, wow? The Chargers were up 27 to 7 at half and had the third, and they blew the third largest comeback in NFL playoff history. Zach, what do you, what do you got to start us off on this one? There's a lot of things I want to touch on, but I'll start with the Chargers, mainly because I think this needs to be addressed the most. First of all, they did take a step in the right direction, firing their offensive play caller and coordinator. That was a step in the right direction just because you can't have your defense force four turnovers and then you go dormant the rest of the game and allow a comeback such as this. I feel so bad for Justin Herbert. He's getting the Philip Rivers treatment where his success is going to go heavily undermined and unrecognized merely for the fact that teams aren't just teams fans aren't going to appreciate his talent that much because his team isn't succeeding. I know people like to sit on the sidelines and say, Oh, you know, wins aren't a QB stat bullshit. I know teams win football games, but ultimately the quarterback is the captain and the leader, and he is responsible for winning you games. You cannot have a team fail a quarterback with this talent level, this consistent, like it's unbelievable. Brandon Staley. I don't know how he continues to have a job because the way I see it was I got last year, you know, you had your ups and downs, you lost a lot of close games, but this year you brought in an abundance of talent on the defensive side of the football and your offense, all it had to do was take a year to mesh and take the step forward. You brought in JC Jackson, you brought in Cleo Mack, you had Asante Samuel, Derwin James, Joey Bosa. You had an abundance of riches on both sides of the ball and you continuously underwhelmed not only yourselves, your fan base, the league. You were supposed to be contenders for the AFC West title spot, upholding or upheaving the dynasty that was the kansas city chiefs and you just let them cakewalk through your division i mean i'm severely disappointed in them i hope that the chargers can find a way to turn it around i don't want all their talent to leave because i do think uh they should give it some time and some chances i mean you even saw in the game some flashes of greatness in that first half asante samuel florida state boy three interceptions and a half balling playing amazing you know it it hurts the way that it finished out I didn't like it. As for the Jags side of things. You could, real quick, you could arguably state that across the board, like across the entire roster, the Chargers have the most talented roster in the NFL. Easily. You could, you could argue that 100%. Easy. Them and 49ers, not, not even a, not even a like debate. On pure talent, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And yeah. How it, they just, it's absolutely insane that team just blew that game. Exactly. Uh, on the other side of things, you want to look at the Jaguars. You cannot, you cannot and should not win a football game when you throw four interceptions in the playoffs. In the NFL, especially. Yeah, especially. 
all that showed me was number one, they showed no quit, which is good. You know, you never want to give up a football game, especially in the playoffs, but it mainly just showed that the Chargers were frauds. For the Jaguar side of things, I'm glad Trevor Lawrence, for as young as a QB he is, he was able to turn it around and regather himself mentally and kind of lead his team back into the uh, back into the game and not only win it. That's huge. Uh, I give kudos kudos to uh, Doug Peterson in that regard. I think he's a great leader of men in that regard. I think he does an exceptional job of keeping his guys focused and prepared. And he has good play calling, you know. Throughout the game, I always saw flashes of plays. It just early on, it just seemed like Brandon Staley had the better initial game plan. He just he flattened out. He, he got like like a soda. Like you pop it, it's refreshing at first, gets flat over time. Brandon Staley is the Mister Pib of the football world. That I would is, I would also say that like, the way this game went was like um, I'm gonna it, it's like a boxing match where like one guy's a brawler and one guy's just very talented, and the very talented guy went in there and he won the first. I mean, MMA fight, he wins the first three rounds easily, just picks him apart. Then he gets tired and like he gets, it gets into a brawl, less like technical and less like skilled. And the brawler starts breaking him. Like he gasses him out. He's hitting him hard. Like, cause he can keep going at that pace. You know, it was like, it was like they gassed out with their jabs and then they started getting back against the cage and just started eating bombs. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Outside of that though, the only other thing I'll say about this game. Well, two more things. One, Joey Bosa piss with the officiating, whatever, be as mad as you want. The one thing they tell you at any level, do not put it in the ref's hands. Never put it in the ref's hands. If it's that close and you end up losing by the ref's call, that means you didn't do your job enough to where you could have won it outright. That's how it is. In MMA, they tell you don't leave it in the hands of the judges. In baseball, they say don't leave it in the hands of the umpire. In football, they say don't leave it up to the hands of the officiating. That's how it is. It's the way of life. It's never going to change. It's how it's always been. No matter... You could get the smartest men in the world to officiate every game you ever play. They're still going to mess up just as often as you mess up at your job. And unfortunately, their mess ups are probably going to happen at the biggest junctures of the game. It is what it is. It happens. Secondly, Trevor Lawrence going to Waffle House after the game. After the game huge tough. baller move. Yeah, tough. Um, that's so, a politician but, move right there. That's a, pol- that's a political move. Yes, he I will say out, though, he could have been partying. He could have been doing film study, whatever he wanted to do. But he went to a lo- he went to the local Waffle House. You know what that does? That makes him a fucking fan favorite in Jacksonville. That's a huge pol- pol- political move right there. Yeah. Can't say the word, I, but yeah. I this is where I kind of wanted to lead this into. What do you think he ordered? If you if you just oh, I doubt he even got food. Game. I doubt he even got food. Nah, nah. You're you're There's no way he was able to sit down in there with that many people and they weren't all over him and stuff. There's no way. You saw the videos. They weren't like swarming him. They just let him sat down and eat in peace. Like it's just how it is. That's not how it is, bro. Yeah, it yeah, be. it is. Nah, nah, nah. He showed up to the Waffle House. Everyone was like, everyone clapped for him, gave him his ovation. He sat down. And he what? What the fuck did he sit down and order? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to drive up to Jacksonville and be like, Trevor, what the fuck did you get at the goddamn Waffle House? I need to know. He's like, yeah, so you saw that uh, TikTok thing they'd be making with, like, the fucking burger and the waffle sandwich? He goes, yeah, I got, like, four of those, and I just hit the road. You think they comped it? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, actually, I don't know. Them, them Waffle House workers be putting in more hours than Trevor Lawrence ever had. No, 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 no. He definitely, get, he definitely left a fat tip. But I'm saying, do you think they comped the actual meal? Like, oh, you just won the game. Like, it's, all, it's on us. They probably tried to, but he was like, nah. He's like, I'm paying for it. 
because he's he's just that kind of guy. But I just I, don't get why, like, like I don't get how he was able to just casually go in there and eat and not everyone was up his ass. It's just respect. Yeah, it's, but he just won the first round playoffs in crazy fashion in that city, like two hours before. It's probably like, the way I view it is like. For Jacksonville fans, they probably see him as like an enigma and they're just like, they can't approach it. They're just like, like they can see it from a distance and they're just like dumbfounded, but they're like, I can't approach that man. They're like, nah, not happening. <laughs> nah, like, you dude, think you must have had security or something. Dude, he literally walked in with his family. He was just like, yeah, me and my girl. He literally got his parents. He, it was literally a high school football game for him. He left the game, got into his parents' car with his girlfriend. And they're like, what do you want to eat, son? And he was like, I want waffles. And they're like, damn, right. And they're like, we're going to oh, go to waffles. Dude, that is hard, actually, yeah. Yeah. I feel like low-key, he may have the mental aptitude of, like, a middle schooler still. Like, they have to, like, tell him, like, yo, Trevor, do you not realize you're a multi-million dollar quarterback? Like, you're really fucking good at your job. And he's you just, just like, like, yeah, I, I got, comb, like. I comb hair, throw football, man. Comb hair, throw football. Yeah. yeah. His mom just, like, randomly is just like, did you do your algebra? And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, uh, nah, um, I do want to backpedal real quick though to the Joey Bosa thing. I, I have a, I have a, I have a, a statement for both ends. One, I do agree that refs should go and have press conferences after games on calls they make. Hundred percent. I, my I dad just talked about it that. today. Yeah, I just talked about it on a pod earlier today. I think because I'll let you speak first, and then I'll go after. I don't know if they should be fined, like he's saying, but I think they should definitely go on a press. I think after a game, after a fight, after a match, whatever sport it is. There should be a the original, the first conference of the fighters, the athletes, the football players, the basketball players, and then there should be one held after of all the referees and judges on why mm-hmm. they made what decisions. Yeah. So here's kind of like why I think that way as well, and I think this will fix everything. So we kind of have reached this position across all sports where officials, officiating has felt the need to insert the insert themselves into games for some reason. They just feel like they need to be seen or looked at or make a lasting impression on a game. You take those same reps and force them to answer questions the same way a player has to after a bad game in a press conference, I promise you they will not be making half the calls they make afterwards. Yeah. You look you look at the personal foul calls that they throw out there, they would sure as fuck hesitate to grab that flag if they had to think in the back of their minds, oh my God, I'm going to have to answer for this if I throw this flag. And it, like, it's okay because honestly, if you go in a po- in a press conference as an official and you sit down and someone questions you and say, "Why didn't you call this?" or "Why did you miss that call?" If you sit there as a man or with woman officials, you sit there and you honestly, God, say, "I didn't catch it" or "I missed it." That's on me. We're human. We understand that. Oh, we dude, can yeah, accept there'd that. There'd be so many situations and plays that people would have like way more mercy. But, but. If any official has the fucking audacity to sit up there and take the and take the big man route and try to like big dick the reporters, the league saying that's my call to make. I'm put here for a reason, yada, yada. That obviously shows that you are not a observer of the game. It shows that you want to make you want to influence the game in any way you can. And you are not deserving of your position and you deserve to be cut. And that's how it is. That's an easy way to identify what your role is as an official and it identifies the personality trait that you need as an official. I think it clears it up as easy as possible. I don't know why we haven't implemented it yet. I don't know if they're scared of hurting these officials lives. Like, no, like that's it. 
we're not going to come to their house and give them death. They're like, that's just not going to happen. Like, obviously there's some insane fans out there that would, those are the extremists. We're not talking about extremists. We're talking about average everyday people that watch the game. We just need explanations for why they call the way they call games. That's all we want. But yeah, I agree. But I the agree. other thing I was going to say on the Joey Bosa issue is, bro, you can't lose on one call when you're up to 20 at halftime. Yeah. Like yeah. you didn't lose because of one call. Cause when you're up 20 at halftime, you like, yeah, that might've been not a good call, but don't act like you lost because of that, you know? Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, the next game, Zach, I didn't really watch. So I'm going to let you kind of take it over uh, a little more. All I got to say is bills to beat the dolphins 34 to 31, which is crazy. Cole didn't really seem to bother the dolphins. Mike McDaniels really growing on me. Um, uh, I keep seeing that if mid-season Tua played, they would have killed them. And Josh Allen played this game with a 26.1 QBR. Yeah, I'm going to keep this really simple and just say that the Bills, if they view themselves as Super Bowl contenders, because I spoke about this last pod, if you want to view yourself as a Super Bowl contender, you cannot play this as a close game. Miami is not accustomed to the cold. They came in a year environment with a third-string QB. And you played down to their level. You you play the same game against any of the remaining teams that are in the playoffs, you're going to get waxed. You're going to get blown out of the water, and it's not even going to be close. We talked earlier in the year about how Josh Allen's main point of focus should be his turnovers and how he should limit those any way he can. Because let's be honest, if you want to play that all-out kind of attack system where they just air it out for all four quarters, 40 to 50 pass attempts – I'm all for it. So long as you are playing smart football and protecting the football in any way you can. I'm seeing way too many costly turnovers from Josh Allen late, late in the game, especially, which are not only putting other teams back in games, but if the rules were reversed, it could also end their chances of ever winning games. And that just can't happen, especially this late in the season. You know, they're going to have to face Patrick Mahomes for years to come in the AFC championship. And I promise you, you cannot live off having those mistakes that consistently. I give kudos to Mike McDaniels and Skylar Thompson and that squad from Miami. They did everything they needed to do to put themselves in a position to win this game, but the odds were stacked against them. There was not a lot they could have done to really pull ahead. Plus 13 and a half underdog. Exactly. Like they should have never been in the game from the beginning and the Bills severely underwhelmed across all categories. The fact that they surrendered 31 points to Skylar Thompson. What do you think the chiefs are going to do to this poor defense? It's going to be a bludgeoning if they don't take a step in the right direction. Now, my hope, my hope is that a team such as this will take a long look in the mirror heading into next week and realize their mistakes and adjust as such. That is the smart thing to do. That is what they should do. However, I don't know if you can just completely drop all the mistakes you've been making every game this season. You know, you're not going to make a complete 180 as a person in a day. Just like the same reason we bashed on New Year's resolutions. You're not just going to wake up one day because it's a new calendar year and say, oh, I'm a changed man. It doesn't work like that. You need to consistently put forth effort if you want to see results. And I'm not seeing the results or the effort from the Bills up till this point. Do give my kudos to Mike McDaniels. I think their squad will be a lot better next year. I pray Tua can stay healthy. That's all I have to say about that game. Yeah, it's just um, it, this is one of those games that we thought for sure the Bills were going to run through them, and they didn't. So that was uh... – Interesting game to see, but yeah, I don't think I think you nailed everything on the you nailed everything on the head. Next game I did watch, good game, but we kind of called this Zach. Giants beat the Vikings thirty-one to twenty-four. Um, 
the way I look at the Vikings personally is they're a team that has like, uh, they have good players. They have good players across the board, and they have a great coach. So they're able to to hang on and beat teams throughout the year because their coaching outplays the like out out values the players. Then when they get to the big games or they get to the postseason, the coaching is on the same level. So then it comes down to the players, and his players are not as good. You know that's that's how I feel about the Vikings personally. Um, Dabble has definitely entered uh, our conversation of coaches with the biggest nutsack up there with Dougie P and uh, uh, Dan Campbell after this. And uh, his offensive play calling is so tremendous, Zach. The way that they have a quarterback of Danny Dimes who really isn't that good and they're able to make him play great because they develop around him is amazing. Everyone's touching the ball. There, there's constant motion and movement, so the defense is never set. It's it's great. It's really good. It's it's football, you know? And I think they went three for three on fourth down in this game, I, I believe. So yep. it's just um, – yeah, it's just uh, – Giants, man. Also, also, Kirk Cousins throwing it off a mm. two-yard out route on fourth and eight. What was that? Yeah. Um so I'll kind of dive in on this. I'll I'll start off with the Vikings. So I'll address the bad before we address the good. For the bad side of things, I completely agree with you in the aspect of the Vikings are like talented roster through and through. I think they have a bunch of pieces. I just don't think I think Kirk Cousins has kind of exposed himself as a good, not great quarterback. You know, he's excuse me, he's a lot of fluff. He's just not going to win you postseason games. You know, his stats will look good at the end of the year, but he just doesn't do enough to win you games. And I think his last throw was the epitome of his career. Yeah. It's, it's just he's a no, he's a no risk guy. Like when the time when the limelight is shining on him and you need to step up, he just rather step steps to the side and lets next man up. You know, he took what was open, but that's exactly what the Giants wanted. You know, they were like, We'll give you the guy open in the flat because we know he's not going to get the first down. Her cousins always plays like the guy where he's like, I'm going to try to let my teammates beat you instead of just having like a big dick mentality. I'm going to give the ball to them. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to, he's like, I'm going to give my, the ball to the other guys and they're going to beat you. Like, no dude, like you're a quarterback. You're supposed to fucking be the man. That's like, your moment. Yeah. That is your moment. That play is you. Yeah. Yeah. And he just didn't get it done. Um, on the other side of things for the Giants, I'm going to disagree with you. I think Daniel Jones in the biggest game of his career played the best football of his entire life. He stepped the fuck up I didn't when it say mattered. That. I said I said he played great. No, I know, but you said like he wasn't a good quarterback. No, fuck that. He played like a – you're right. He didn't play like a good – he's not a good quarterback. He's a fucking great quarterback. That's what I said. I, played, said I said the, the system that they have around him – this is what I told my dad. I was like, what they did that's genius is a lot of times is coaches try to make a system without a quarterback – and then just place a quarterback in it, and then it fucks them. Like, look at all these failed quarterbacks, right? Yeah. What they did is they got Danny Dimes, and then they built the system around him. And it's 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 amazing. It's great coaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, that's – and you see the issues with that with, like, other offenses where it's like, well, we have the system. We just don't have our guy. They were like, fuck that. We're going to get our guy his system. And it's worked, and he's playing great. I'm just saying he is not the most talented quarterback. That's all I was trying to say. And he's playing better sure. than, than he is. Fair enough. I also think huge kudos to Dabal because Dabal came into the system, identified everyone's strengths, and immediately utilized everything. 
Daniel Jones, first player in NFL history to throw for 300 yards and rush for 70 yards with two TDs in a game. First time in NFL playoff history. That's huge. Danny Dimes, by the way, with zero wide receivers, mind you. Well, he's got Kenny Galladay, who had, what, two catches on the year, throwing to Richie James. Who who was the one he was feeding the most? What's his name? Hodgins. Yeah, he was on a – oh, no, I think it was Darius Slayton. No, no, yeah. no, no. Either Hodgins or Slayton. I don't remember which one. I'm sorry. One of them was on a practice squad roster starting this season. Yep. From Richie James. Chiefs. Yeah. Yep. Richie James, too. Nothing. Wandale Robinson that they drafted, injured. Kadarius Tony left. Uh, Kenny Galladay, who was supposed to be your $30 million a year quarter, or uh, wide receiver, only played like two games this year, had like, what, four to eight catches, like something ridiculous. Yeah. Like the he fact didn't have that. have any catches in this game. Yeah, the fact that him and Saquon pretty much was this entire offense is just blows my mind. And the fucking balls on Brian Dowell to go for it on fourth down three times to just say, like, fuck you, like, we're better than you. Like, we're just we're just so much better than you. Like, you don't stand a chance. And it, After the first one, if you're a defense – the first one when you're the defense, you're like, there's no way you're getting this. Like, you're fucking smoking dick. Then after that, you're like, oh, my God, they just got the last one. And on the third one, yeah. you're like, all right, they're getting the first. Like, you already know. Yeah. Yeah, no, they literally lined up. They lined up the third time, and I was like, I know it's coming. You know it's coming. They're going to fucking tell Vanilla Vic to just shove it up your ass, and he literally just bulldozed his way for like Dude, three, four yards. Every time he did, he got smacked. He was taking big-ass hits when he did those QBs. Oh, he didn't, give a, he didn't give a shit. He was it just was standing right back It looked up. like his back broke. He was like, and just fucking. Yeah, Hendricks just like put yeah. his fucking forearm in his elbow. I'm like, literally when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's like when Alon used to tell me, like, yeah, when you want to get shoulder pressure, you just want to fucking yeah. shove him in the dirt. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like trying to murder the dude. But Danny Dimes don't give a fuck. Danny Dimes is built for that shit. Nah, he was. Yeah, he's eating that shit like chicken wing. Also, shout out. To the Giants, you know, they haven't had a lot of shit go right for them. But Dabal coming in and completely changing the culture there, that's huge for them. They pretty much took the Bills' entire front office and were like, all right, what you did with the Bills, Danny Dimes is literally Josh Allen minus the turnovers. So, like, do the same thing, right? And they were like, yeah, you're right. They're like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, Brian Dabal, man, gutsy coach, bald and fat. That's about as football guy as it gets, man. Yeah. He ain't got no hair on his head, but he's got some hair on his nuts. I can oh, tell you for that. Sure. For Quote sure. Quote me on that one. Quote yeah. me on that one. Yeah, our next game. Another game that was very similar to the Dolphins and Bills, Zach, was the Ravens and Bengals. Mm. Huntley. I don't think Huntley's amazing, but that kid's got a lot of fucking heart, dude. And he plays with his heart in his sleeve. Huntley um, Burrow. The Ravens' defense, extremely talented. Extremely talented. Would they have won with Lamar? We don't know. We'll dive that into that. Um, and, dude, that fumble. That fumble, oh, my gosh. The freaking – and then Sam Hubbard takes it all the way to the house. Wow. Look, great for him, though. I will say, great for Sam Hubbard. You know, Cincinnati native, went to the Ohio State. Ends up going to the Bengals. Always been in Ohio. Just an Ohio native. Making a big play for your hometown. That's great. It's pretty Ohio of him. However, how the fuck Joe Burrow didn't blow this team out and had his, had to have his defense win the game for him? Blasphemy. Same, same, same shit I'm going – he got outplayed by Tyler Huntley, mind yeah, you. Yeah, 100%. Outplayed by a backup. 
Um, and the way I see it, it is in their at, home stadium, in, in home which stadium. they beat them in their home stadium the week before. Yeah, yeah. The way I look at it, same situation as Buffalo. You have to take a long look in the mirror and ask yourself if you want to be a championship team. You're gonna have to make some adjustments. Thankfully, the Bills and the Bengals are facing off against each other next round. So it'll kind of be the story of who actually improves and who remains the same. Survival of the fittest type shit right there. But as to the game itself, you know, pretty underwhelming. You know, this is I think this is the only playoff game where I just like completely lost interest. Like I was just like, Yeah, I, I didn't was, really like, well, I, I was like glancing at it. Yeah, I just saw the huge fumble recovery returned, and I felt so bad for Tyler Huntley because I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Like, that's just a that's just a rookie mistake. Because they always teach you if you're diving for the pylon, you stick it out, and then once you, re- you reach your peak, you pull it back in. You don't hold yeah. it out there to show the refs because they'll get it on replay. Just stick it out and bring it back in, and he just held – and he put he it up in the air. It. Yeah, he tried to overextend it too. Yeah, uh, dude, it just – it hurt to watch. I was just so – but heard about it. I was like, God damn it. I mean, no, dude, I wanted them to win. I mean, I like Joe Burrow, but I want that upset would have been sick. Yeah. Yeah. God, that, that hurt. But that do you really think if hurt. they had Lamar, they win that game? Yes. 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 <laughs> Easily. Easily. Like, no, not like the situation sticky right now, man. Mm, yeah. Very sticky. Very sticky. But, I mean, think about it. If Lamar and Tua play, Dolphins and Ravens move on. Very true. Very true. But, like we always say, the goal is to play 100% healthy. Not always the case. Yeah, yeah. But No do excuses. Think, do you think if you're the Ravens, that game makes you go, wow, we don't need Lamar, or it makes you go, damn, we need Lamar? Definitely makes you go, wow, we need Lamar, just because in the sense of, like, if they're able to play that close against a high caliber team that's shown they're Super Bowl capable, that shows you that like you were just a piece away from like having it all together, and your piece was your quarterback. And that's an just... NFL MVP. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not just any quarterback. The, a reigning, not reigning, but an NFL MVP yeah. caliber player. Yeah. So, you know, you live and you learn. But maybe not. Maybe they just like don't resign them and just go back to being shit. But. You know, I'm not a GM, so we'll see. Yeah, in our last game, Zach. Monday night, Cowboys 31, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14. Zach, I'm gonna let you uh I'm gonna let you go on first for this one. Yeah. Let me let me address the bad like I normally do first. First and foremost. Uh, I think Tom Brady played the worst playoff game of his career. Let Dude, me, he had a uh, 24.1 QBR. Yeah, just played the worst game of his career, unfortunately. And on the same side of that coin, um, I think Todd Bowles had his worst coach defensive game of the year. Some of the most blown coverages, terrible play calling, just bad overall football. They just didn't seem like they had a steady game plan going into it. And – you know, I would give kudos to the Cowboys, and I will, but I don't see Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn really being like high caliber, like geniuses in the NFL, mm-hmm. like some of these other coaches, like a Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, or even 
you know, Sean McDermott, like guys along those lines, those are who I consider to be like the upper echelon of coaches within the league. Unfortunately, the Bucks got exposed for what they were, which was a very undermining team. But I don't think this should give a lot of hope to the Cowboys because I don't even think a, a sub 500 team isn't a playoff team. I know they won their division and made the playoffs. That's not a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You don't, they you don't deserve to be in a shit the- division. Yeah, they just play a shit division. They didn't deserve to be there, got exposed for what they were. On the other side of things, for the Patriots or for the Patriots, for the Bucks moving forward. Wow. Yeah, they're <laughs> fucked. They're fucked because you have so you're still kind of recovering financially with the cap hit from your Super Bowl win. You're still recovering in that regard. Tom Brady's gone. Yeah. The reason I say that the reason I say that also is if you looked at his postgame interview, you usually aren't sentimental and thankful towards reporters and staff and people around you unless you were saying your goodbyes. You know what I mean? Like you you just you're not really like in that sentimental mode. You're more in like a let's work back towards next year. He, he didn't really give that impression at all. He was very respectful though. When reporters asked him about leaving, he was like, he's like, I'd rather just be with my team right now and like, kind of like handle the loss as a team and we'll move forward in that regard. I, I called months ago. He was going to Vegas. So that's no surprise there for the Cowboys side of things. You know, I, Brett Maher, by the way, he's got to be point shaving some shit. He, he had Bucks money. Like that man was trying to fuck him, like just trying everything in his power to just be like, man, fuck you, Dak. Like I ain't, I ain't making you a goddamn extra point, bitch. Yeah. What's but, up with that? What the fuck was that? That's the, I mean, some of the notes I have is how left which Bulls have a job is still insane. Leonard Fournette literally had 11 yards. Okay. 11 yards. <laughs> Kicker went over four on PATs, and for the first time, I can't shit on Dak for playing like ass because he played amazing. Five total touchdowns, no turnovers, and can we both agree that Zeke is washed and it's time to start the Tony Pollard train? See, I've always been a huge believer that the shelf life for running backs was about five years, so I just think he's like his natural running back course of life is just falling off because, like. For a guy his size, he has to at least bounce off at least one to two tackles. Like he can't be tackled as easy as he is, and he has to have somewhat speed to break away. And I just don't think he has that. I think the right course of action for the Cowboys are to keep Zeke for goal line, red zone plays. But I think what would benefit him the most is a fullback scenario where you just let him beef up a little bit, you get yeah. a little bit thicker, fuck the speed. Yeah, he'll and in those like fourth and short, third and short scenarios, you just if you line him up at fullback, I promise you teams will have to respect him and Tony Pollard at the same time. It's just how I view it. He's a great pass catcher. He proves he can catch on the backfield, and he's got such good size that he's proven to be a solid pass-blocking running back. That's why they bring him in for pass-blocking as well is because they know he's a good body there. I feel like they're kind of disguising him too much with the running back role. They're trying to give him too many like unique plays to let him pop off, and it's just – it's just not catered to his play style anymore. I think the fullback would be – the fullback is already a dying position, but we see how good the 49ers use Kyle Huszczyk. You're telling me Zeke couldn't adopt into that role now and save the later part of his career? I um, I don't think so. I think you could totally make him a fullback, and I think that would be the smart thing to do, let Pollard kind of take the reins there while he's still in his prime, you know, to let him go to waste either and kind of move on from there. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah, I like that. I just – um. I don't really got much to say about it, dude. It was uh, 
Like you said, it looked like the Bucks didn't even know that they were playing that day. Like they looked so unprepared. They there was never a time you're like, oh, they're they're setting this up or this is what's coming. It was just like they were playing catch up the whole fucking game. Yeah, it because like I'll say this as like a Tom Brady meat writer, I've watched every game of this man's career. There wasn't a point in that game where I was like, oh, he's gonna like mount a comeback here. Like I just there was no. I I stopped watching at halftime. Like people were like, "Oh, this is where the Bucks wake up for the second half." I was like, "No, I was like, this is just this yeah, is just sad. it was like not even fun to watch." Yeah, it was like watching like it was like like imagine having like an alumni game to like see if guys still got it, and then rather than like seeing a guy still got it, you're like, "Damn, like you're getting old, man." Like like geriatric patient type shit. Like it it was just like sad. Like I. It was honestly like trying to go play fetch with your dog one last time, and you just see like the arthritis in his hips is just like giving out on him, and he's just like dragging his legs, and you're like, "Fuck!" Like, honey, bring me his pills in his cart. We're gonna have to roll him back to the fucking house. Jesus, hope he's sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna have to old yeller you behind the house now, buddy. (laughs) That's what Tom Brady's. That's what they're gonna do, Tom Brady. Yeah, they're just gonna they're gonna rather than like tell Lenny to ask him about the bunnies, they're gonna be like, all right, Tom, tell me about the Super Bowl. He's gonna be like reci- he's gonna be like reciting this halftime speech, just get his fucking brains blown oh, out. Uh, like, damn. Yeah, guys. Uh Zach, any last words? Uh yeah, looking forward to uh next week. We'll have our meme cap back out for you guys. I know you guys probably missed that. So we'll get back to making those uh shortly. I have that out for you. Um and we'll also get some MMA pods out here soon. We're waiting for a good card, but, you know, UFC doesn't want to re-sign their uh, best heavyweight fighter. But, you know, I guess we'll figure that shit out. Yeah, I know. It's weird. We haven't had a good card in a long time. Yeah, it's weird. I need I need some MMA pod in my life. Yeah. But yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Cox on the Stove, episode 67.